Welcome to Legacy Women's Podcast, where we seek to encourage women in their relationship with God and one another through monthly conversations with the women of Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It's hard to believe it, but we are starting year five of this podcast. Today, we've released 44 episodes, and I've gotten to interview or share content from over 80 different women, some of them several times. And if you're like me, you've been encouraged to listen to these ladies. It's been so edifying to hear their wisdom and listen to how God has been faithful to them. I did want to take a minute at the outset of year five to reiterate why we do this podcast. And as it says in the intro, our goal is twofold. First, we want to encourage women in their relationship with God. We want to point them to His Word and show His greatness and goodness in our lives, especially through the gospel and His grace and giving us His Son as our Savior. So our greatest hope with this podcast is that what is shared builds your faith in Christ and helps you to make Him your greatest treasure. And secondly, we hope this podcast encourages our relationships as women. Um, In our legacy ministry, we want to create a culture culture of Titus II mentoring, where older, mature um, women are discipling younger women in godliness, where they are teaching and training what is good, as it says in Titus II, and showing those coming behind them what godly womanhood looks like. So, ladies, as you listen to the podcast, I hope you were thinking in two ways. Um, The first would be, how could I encourage a younger woman in this area? If asked, how would I answer this question that you're hearing in a way that would point her to God and His Word. And I also hope you're thinking about and praying for women that you can draw out and learn from face-to-face, mature, biblically-minded women who can encourage you to love and obey God. So that's our goal, and it's been so encouraging for me to hear from many of you how you've been discipled by this podcast and how it's led to -to face-to-face conversations. So I do just want to thank all the women who've taken the time to participate. It's really been such a blessing. And we have covered many different topics. And I encourage those who are new to check those out. Or for those who've been listening for a while, maybe go back and listen to the topics that you need a refresher on. I'm looking forward to this year and have got a lot of great topics planned. And to start the year off, I'm sharing a question and answer I did with Sherry Kittrell and Jane Connolly from our leaders retreat a few weeks ago. And I know you're going to be encouraged to hear from the these godly seasoned women. So enjoy. I thought you could start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Um, I assume most people don't know you, Jane, very much at all. And Sherry, some people may not know you. So tell us a bit about your childhood, where you grew up, um, how you met your husband, family life, that kind of thing. Well, I was born in 1950 in Washington, D.C. Um, it was a big year for my, my family that year. My dad graduated from law school. They bought a car. They bought their first home, and they had me. And I, was, I joined their family with a 10-year-old sister. There were 10 years between their two children. But um, my sister has told me many, many times that she prayed earnestly for a baby and was delighted to have a baby sister. And so she was um, always very kind to me and um, sure having to share a room with me, you know, tempered the 
novelty of having a baby, but, um, and, and my mom made a point over the years of saying how they had really desired another child, that how, much, how grateful they were that they had me. So that was a wonderful um, way to feel loved in my family and um, at home. I, I had a very happy childhood. <clears throat> um, we were a church-going family, so I grew up going to Sunday school, knew all the, all the stories, um, all the Bible stories. You know, went through school, had friends. Um, I met Mickey when we were both 15, um, <clears throat> which was part of the culture then. I kind of shudder thinking about <laughs> my granddaughters now and <laughs> the age they are. But anyway, that's the way it was then. And um, we began going together. And my mom would say, you're just always laughing together. You're always laughing. So he was always a lot of fun to be with. Um, I didn't know much about character and how important character was at that time. He was a wild, crazy boy, but um, he was a character. <laughs> but something, something deep in me trusted him. Amid all his craziness, I, I never liked any other guy more. Um, we married when we were 22. And um, let's see. We went on, we, we were married 11 years before we had children, which is a st another story. I might come into that a little later, but anyway, I'm very grateful that the Lord had that interval. We were not believers for the first five years of our marriage. So I'm very grateful that um, our three, Anne, Meg, and Michael came along in, my, in our 30s, and very grateful for them. So we have three children, all married now with... Um, families of their own, and you know the four Kitchell children here. Um, but that's it. I've had a very blessed life, um, very blessed, very grateful to God for his many kindnesses to me, and he continues to pour them out. Um, I was raised in New Martinsville, West Virginia, just south of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, Bill and I probably knew of one another since about the third or fourth grade. We went, we lived in the same neighborhood and went to the same schools. And um, we started dating when we were, um, I guess, juniors and seniors in high school. So um, we kind of have a similar background as far as Jane and Mickey, and, and that is just that we started, we were married when we were 20, so we were both very young and knew each other all for a long time and have a great history together. So that's kind of a special thing we share with um, Mickey and Jane. The other thing we share with Jane and Mickey, you know, we have the, we share grandchildren. So we have four grandchildren that we share and that's really been a blast. Um, but Bill calls uh, Mickey big brother and I would have to say that Jane is probably the closest thing to a sister that I have besides my one real sister. Uh, she's just been there. And so we have a friendship that's lasted since Will was going to start kindergarten. Because someone pointed me, when I was asking about homeschooling, someone pointed me to Jane Conley. And so from that moment on, we, we've been good buds. <laughs> I'm very grateful for her. Um, I would say that I had a wonderful childhood as well. I um, grew up going to a formal church, and uh, but I really didn't know the Lord until 
after I was converted in high school. So the Lord, we dated for a while before we were Christians, and I'm very grateful that we became Christians. It changed everything. <laughs> so um, when you know what life is like when you're not converted and then how the Lord changes that relationship, it's just God's mercy and kindness to us. Anyway, that's good. Um, Jane, will you share your testimony with oh, us? Sure, sure. Well, I, um, my parents were, were believers, and we went to church. Um, hymns would play. My dad would put hymns on the record on Sunday, on a record player on Sunday mornings. I always believed in God. I, I believed God was real. I never remember hearing the gospel explained. I didn't know about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, I learned about that. I was 27, and I was reading some books and just heard a, a simple explanation about personal relationship with Jesus, how to enter into that relationship. And I was reading in bed, and I thought, I believe all this. And I put the book aside and just prayed this simple prayer. And you know how the Lord just works differently in every life. Um, but I just, when I woke up the next morning, I was different. I, w I was different. No curse words came out of my mouth anymore. Um, I just, I was very different. So I told Mickey what had happened. We had been married five years. Um, you know, um, he had seen many of our friends. We had gone to weddings, and then those people got divorced. We had just seen a lot of our friends break up. The Lord, by his grace, held us together. Um, we... We had our troubles. Anyway, I, expl I told him what had happened to me. He had grown up Catholic, so he, his idea was, hmm, that can't be true. I mean, or, or the nuns would have told me. <laughs> um, and so he read the Bible for himself. And a year later, he came, well, within the next year, he came to John 3.16, you must be born again. And the Lord opened his heart. The Lord opened his heart to faith and he turned and trusted Jesus, and he was he was changed as well. So we were 27 years old. Um, that that's our salvation story. The Lord worked mightily. We I, I don't know how much you want to hear. Okay, um, actually, after we became Christians, our difficulties together increased. Um, we went to a church that was. Godly, and I'm grateful for it um, for me, in many ways, but they didn't understand the grace of, of the gospel. So there was a lot of, you know, heavy-handed kind of authoritarian stuff, and men ruled and women followed, and their wives' faces weren't very happy. And um, you just, you know, you just slogged on, and I just knew I, something's wrong with this, something's wrong with this. Well, then they asked Mickey to come on staff as a pastor, and so I have an 18-month-old baby girl, and he quits his wonderful job that took years to qualify for and becomes a full-time pastor. And our parents thought, what is going on with you? You know, what? This is nuts. Um, those were really hard years, and um, I'll try to be as brief as I can, but um, because I just couldn't get with it, you know, get with the program and, and be the submissive wife that I was expected to be, in the way that I was, you know, that they understood this was biblical. We were trying to live biblically truthful lives. We just both realized God's made a terrible mistake. We should never have married. 
we have never been, we should never have married. God made a mistake. Um, did not understand God's sovereignty. Um, it got so bad that I I really wished God would just kill me, that he would just take me. There was no other way for Mickey to be free and me to be free of this misery. And I remember um, just, I was actually expecting Meg, and I was so afraid that I was going to harm my baby, that you know all this distress and turmoil in my soul was going to harm my baby, that I just said, Lord, I, I just... I'm just, I have to throw myself into your hand, into your arms. And I felt like I was standing over a cliff looking down on rocks below. And I, I'm going to just jump. And if you don't catch me, Lord, I'll, I'll perish on those rocks. And I did. I leapt. And he caught me, of course. And, and I, just, I just knew, like the Spirit just kind of assured me, your, your child is going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And... And so I had hope in the Lord in a new way at that point. And then just through the Lord's incredible kindness, he had us go to a, a marriage conference, and he worked through that. And we learned that God doesn't make mistakes, and they advised couples to re- like freshly receive your, your spouse as a gift from God, that this is God's gift to you. And we did that, and I'm telling you, a miracle happened. <laughs> and I think think we kind of fell in love really deeply um, as believers. So my testimony or my, my firm belief is there is grace for any marriage. Every marriage, no matter how desperately bad it might seem or hopeless, the Lord can move mountains and is glad to do it and knows how to do it. So Everything was very much better, and how good the Lord was, because some pretty difficult years were ahead for us, just in ministry and various things, but we were together. We were together in it, and um, nothing ever shook our, our unity again in quite that same way. So what a miracle-working God we have. That's great. Thank you. That's so encouraging. Um well, shifting gears a little bit, I wanted to hear your plans just devotionally with the new year. I think we all kind of think about that, like, ooh, what are we going to do this year? Kind of a fresh start. So what do devotions look for you guys these days, and what are your plans? Well, I've been, I've been reading through the Bible. I was already doing that last year, and I'm still working through it. <laughs> but, I'm, so, but I've really enjoyed reading the study notes along with it. And I think in this season of life, I have a little more time where I can take time to read the study notes that go along with the scriptures. And that's really encouraged me. But I was going to read this um, scripture from um, this book here. It's Jerry Bridges' book, and I'm going to, by God's grace, try and read through several of his books again this year. I really like Jerry Bridges, and I know I can benefit from it every time I pick it up. So, uh, But this scripture really encouraged me and has helped me just even during this past season I've had with Bill. Um, and it's chapter 1, the beginning of it says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Um, And that's Ephesians 4, 1 through 2. So 
just in the season we've been walking through, I pick up this book and that scripture, and I thought, okay, if I can, by God's grace, apply that simple verse to my life this year, we have grown. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm just really grateful for God's word. And um, scriptures, they speak to me when I read them, and I'm at the Holy Spirit imparts new life to me. And then um, I'm so I'm just grateful, you know, delighting in his word, uh, getting help from him. And he does, he's faithful. He's been faithful to help. So uh, that's my plan, reading through the scriptures again and, um, and then reading some Jerry Bridges books. And uh, very grateful that I have this opportunity to, to reread some of his books. I have to say, I think I received a lot of blessings during the COVID season, and one of them was just being home more and just having a lot of things come off the calendar and more time and time to reflect about what's really important and what have I just been doing because it's just routine and it's just what you do, and every year you just continue the same patterns. And, and um, one of the things I, I realized was I don't want to feel rushed in my time with God. I don't want to feel like I'm fitting it in, you know, with all of these other things. And so what a joy it has been to be able to go at a slower pace um, and read more slowly. And so I am just reading like a chapter a day. I read a chapter, maybe two, but one chapter, but I read it slowly enough that I'm really thinking about what it says. Um, I have found that um, it's helping me see scripture that I want to pr use as prayers for people or for myself. I've never been able to memorize scripture. It has seemed impossible. But this slow reading has helped me see, oh, I, I want to write that down. I'll write it down. And then in going over it many, day, you know, many, many times, and it's, in my, it's in my head, even mine. <laughs> um, so that's been a real joy, just little bits, little, little, small pieces. Um, I also like to begin my time with God with some kind of devotional. So um, I'll tell you about and share some of that with you again in a minute with another question. But um, yeah, so on a really good day, I sit down with my coffee first thing after I walk my dog and, you know, read, read a, a devotional piece for that day, read a chapter, pray, and then there's usually some book on Christian living that I'm reading. So I read a little bit of that. Um, and I, that takes about an hour. And um, that's a really good day. Now, there are days when that's not, I can't do all that. And there are days when none of that happens. But that's my aim and my plan. Um, what would you say to these ladies about the importance of spending time in God's word as you look over your life? Just what impact has that made? And do you have any tips like for how to make that happen, make it a priority? Well, I guess, sorry. <laughs> um, I've kind of had scriptures that I've gone over, and so one of them that's been important to me from the beginning is Matthew six thirty three, and it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so I've just taken that kind of as a promise from God, and 
um, over the years I've kind of thought, well, no matter how small it is, no matter how big it is, I can, as far as the longevity or the depth of time that I get to spend, I know that I'm, if I'm seeking God uh, first in my heart, then that's going to... Um, that's going to go well for me. <laughs> and so, uh, by God's grace, I would say that's kind of been a priority. And um, he's de- he has continued to delight my soul. So I think you find that when you're spending time with the Lord, he, he delights you and satisfies you. And so I've, I'm able to look back now and say, wow, he's been faithful. He's done that. At times I didn't feel like he was or couldn't or there'd be no way. Um, but he's he's richly blessed me with uh, with desires that I get to enjoy him and make my soul happy in him. And then when I would say that when um, the kids were younger and it was much more difficult, I think you just had to do whatever you could. <laughs> you know, you're just trying to survive, and um, the Lord would give you ways. And I think the only tip I would have had was that I always by God's grace, wanted to get up before the kids got up. And that would help. It didn't always work, but it was, it was a help if I could get up before them or even nurse and be able to listen to scripture or something. But that's just the tip. Only tip I have. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Um, Well, again, I just feel like this last few years I've, I've realized that really knowing scripture, the readings, feeding upon the word, taking it in, um, abiding in Jesus, you know, it's really a matter of life and death. And um, I want to read Psalm 1 for you, the first four chapters. I think it says it so well, and then a few comments. Um, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. And um, the devotional that I'm reading this year is one that they gave to us at the Sovereign Grace um, Conference. I don't know if you received a copy. It's um, called, um, oh dear, Uh, I have it here somewhere. (laughs) Um, It's in the Lord I take refuge, and it's going through all 150 Psalms with a little devotional for each day, Dane Ortland, and it's a treasure. If you don't have it, I really urge you to get it. It's um, a, a wonderful book. So he says of this Psalm 1, he comments, Paul reminds us that in the end there are only two ways to live. Beneath the never-ending list of to-dos clamoring for our attention lies the fundamental choice to receive instruction and influence either from God or from fools. He goes on to say that this psalm makes clear that true, solid happiness, what the Bible calls blessedness, is found in God and his word. Nothing can compare with the blessedness, the fruitfulness, the flourishing, the prospering, the delightfulness of a life 
saturated with the Word of God. Um, and I just think that's just a beautiful way to have it, to have that truth and the importance of God's Word to us as Christian women expressed. Um, it's a, if you think of it as a matter of life and death to your soul, to your life, I think it helps you find a way to, to fit it in and whatever works in your season. Um, and I, I wanted to say, I don't know that I have tips so much. I think Sherry's are great. Um, I, th I think the most important thing is just if you settle in your heart, this is a priority for me, and then you seek the Lord of how to make it work in your situation and, and, and amid your responsibilities now. He will trust in the Lord and commit your way to him, and he will act. He will guide you. There, be, there will be a way. Um, and I want to encourage you that God has grace for you right now. Um, yeah, what I just said. He's going to be faithful to guide you in the how-tos um, as, you, as you commit that desire to him. If you, you want to do it, you commit it to him. He's going to help you. It's, it's a grace he will give you. And I also firmly believe that something's better than nothing. So if you can do a little bit, if you can read a couple lines and, and thank the Lord for that, um, that's better than nothing. And over the years, over the years, there's a found, there's like a, a, a wall is built or a, a structure is built of the truth of God that you have just put a little another brick down each day as you were able. Um, and you have, you have that, that relationship with God based on the truth of his word. That's good. Thank you. Um, okay. Sherry, how long has Bill been a pastor? I'm not good at this, but I tried to think about it. Okay. Decades. Decades, <laughs> yeah. I think 38 years. Okay. Um, could be wrong. Oh. But, um, yeah. Okay. And Jane, how long has? I think it's the same. I oh. think I think okay. I put it's the same. Okay. 38 years. All right. Wow. Okay. So what would you say to the ladies in this room who are involved in ministry in the church, as you guys have been now for decades? Um, what would you say to them about how the Lord has just encouraged you and helped you to persevere over the years um, as you've served in the church? I think, um, you know, I think looking back over the years, I would just say, being our age, you have a lot of different perspectives than you did when you were younger. Um, and you're able to look back and see, golly, God has been so faithful. And I didn't know he was doing that in the church, or I didn't know he was doing this in my family, or this. It just seems so different when you're in the midst of it. So getting older, you definitely have a lot to look back on and see all that God's done. And um, it gives you great perspective. But I would say, Ask the question again, Bethany. Uh, how has God encouraged you and helped you to persevere? So. Okay. Um, I would say the, the Lord does it. I think he just does that. He gives you grace to persevere. He gives you grace to endure. But then he, it's also the people among you, so you guys. <laughs> so, like, I don't think I could have gotten through the past six months without people around me now and their care, the way they've uh, reached out to me. Um, so God sustains you. God's word helps you. 
persevere and endure. But then the people and the relationships, even though the church, there, there's relationships and they have ups and downs, and for friendships change. And I think friendships over the years, that's been a hard, difficult thing when friendships change. A lot of it has been two church plants and those relationships change because they move. But those are great things. And then God's always faithful. So, and then, then one last thing I did want to say about serving in the church is it's a blessing to your family, to your kids. They see and they they see the church function and the way the church is living, and um, and they want to do that. They want to invest, and then it's good for their their souls as well. So I think that's just a great fruit of you investing in the church and God meeting you and meeting your family, and they they see that. Um, there are two things I wanted to share with you that I feel the Lord has helped me see about serving, um, as a pastor's wife. Um, the one is that ministry life and home life are not meant to compete. They're not opposing. One's not fighting the other for, um, supremacy. Um, I felt that. I felt that for many, many years. Um, nobody put that on me. It was just a wrong understanding of what was important, um, God has helped me see he means that we have one life. We have one life before him. And he means for ministry, the ministry sphere, and the home sphere to harmonize. They, they harmonize. They, they fit together. Um, home life is priority, especially when your children are young. But your husband is always going to be a, a priority relationship. So um, getting that settled, I, I feel like they harmonize. And if I remember I'm to be a servant in every, in every rich relationship or every situation, that helps. What serves? And then keep, and then I had such a false idea of where my responsibilities lay. Um, if somebody, if meal, you know, requests for meals, when I grab my calendar, well, when can I do that? You know, when can I, feel, okay, if it's in there. And just, that's not, that's not the way it needs to be. We're to serve the body of Christ as we have opportunity, you know, do good as you have opportunity and you don't always have opportunity. If you do great, grab it. Um, I love to serve and I love to do those things, but I'm just trying to say, don't, don't feel like, um, there's a, a weight or a, an obligation pressing on you that you've got to do it because you're a pastor's wife. And what will they think if, the, if you don't sign up, you know, what will they think? Well, they'll be freed to think, I mean, you can't never serve, but that wouldn't be the case. It's um, an inordinate concern with, it's really, comes, I've realized it came down to myself. I want people to think well of me. It's not, oh, i got to serve everybody. It's what will they think badly of me if I don't. So anyway, um, serve, serve as, as there's grace. And when, and when you don't, me aren't sure, just ask the Lord, okay, where's my responsibility? Help me discern where where would you have me serve in this in this situation or um and just don't assume that you know well it's gotta be the church of course the church comes first that was just a, a false way of thinking i had um oh the other thing that i i want to really encourage you is um something susan hunt said years ago she is just a lady that has influenced me a lot um, about biblical womanhood and loving the church. She was a pastor's wife. And she said, 
love the church, love the church, because Jesus loves her, and he loves his bride, even though sometimes she isn't very pretty. <laughs> and, um, you know, you know, church life can be messy and frustrating and painful at times. Um, that's all, all of life is. All of our relationships are. Um, but God has grace for us to give to difficult people or to press in and, and work through relationships. So um, I've been studying what love is, you know, love from 1 Corinthians 13. So just love is, is patient and kind, and it, um, it doesn't insist on its own way, and it um, isn't arrogant or rude. Or, and also the, the, a scripture about, Sherry was referring to it too, about bearing with others. There's just so much grace in, in learning to bear with others um, in the church, I think. But in, in any family, the church is a family relationship, really, isn't it? Um, but loving the church, loving the church because Jesus loves her and he loves us and he has grace for us. He has grace for us to offer to those in our church. Um, and I, I think further she would encourage that loving, loving, the, loving the church is, is investing your, your time and your care, your interest in, in what's going on in the church. It's investing yourself, your gifts, you know, um, in the church, um, we're called to be faithful servants, like I said before, wherever we are, and loving service just bears sweet fruit over time. It's, it's the church, church relationships, often, they, there are changes with plants and stuff, but, I mean, it takes many, many years to build deep, deep, lasting, tested relationships in the church. It takes time. And, and lots of grace, but it's so sweet. It's so very sweet, so very worth it. So love the church. Thanks. Okay, another thing you share in common, um, unfortunately, is caring for husbands who are injured or ill, had surgeries. That's happened to both of you over the years. You more recently, Sherry. So I just wondered, what have you learned? What has the Lord taught you? Many in this room may care for elderly parents, plenty of sick kids, um, in this season especially. So what have you learned about um, in those seasons of caring for someone who's ill or injured? I'm still learning. <laughs> oh, my. Um, how much I had to learn, uh, I guess. Um, I think the first thing, though, when I look back over it is, and it has been, I think, six months since his bicycle accident. Um, I think, you know, in six months' time, this is the most time we've gotten to spend together since before we were married, because we are together, and um, that's kind of great. You know, I, that part of it, I was just like, then this is just so wonderful. He's not busy here. He's not busy there. I'm not busy with a kid. Um, so we're getting to spend a lot of time together, and that's, that's great. <laughs> um, the other thing is just how proud I am, you know, just how, like, like I'm, I'm watching a man who's had a lot of responsibilities and been in charge of a lot of things, and he's just so humble. You know, he's having to rely on me. Like, the, the medication, I am terrible with medication, and um, I've got a long history of it with Lauren had knee surgeries, and I'm just not, 
I don't think too well. I don't write things down really well. I'm, I can be scatterbrained and not very organized. And so there were times I know he just has had to think, I am having to depend on her. And I mean, <laughs> really, really, really depend on me, um, my memory, you know, my organization. And um, I mean, even um, I just had to draw on the Lord and think, hey, a lot of times I would just say, Hey, I'm always got Lord, <laughs> you know it. And then I had, um, I had, I had, I had great family members. So I had sons um, that just have been wonderful, and their daughter, those daughter-in-laws, then have released their sons to really help us in a lot of ways, and people. So the pastoral team has been amazing. Uh, but I would just have. I'm sorry, I'm rambling here. I am. Um, I'm struck with how proud I am because of so many times, say, I have to drive for him. So the poor guy, you know, he's used to doing every single thing. And so then it's like he's reduced to just saying, okay, get in the sling. <laughs> and, and as soon as he says it, my pride just goes, I'll get in whatever lane I want to <laughs> be in. Or, you know, it's just so tempting to think, don't tell me where to park the car, <laughs> you know? And I just think, <laughs> at first I thought, boy, his pride. And then I'm just thinking, oh, it is your pride, Sherry. You don't like being told, instructed anything. And so just how, how fast my pride has been revealed. And so thus, the desire for growing in humility. Um, but I, I will say it's... I, and I do think one, okay, if there's any wisdom, knowledge, it's like, don't evaluate during this season. So when there's a difficult season, you don't need to be evaluating things. This is where you just draw near the Lord, ask for help. He's going to be faithful. Um, his promises are so true. That's just one thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, the promises of God. And um, anyway, just don't evaluate. It's the Lord's going to be faithful. I know I talked a lot, but boy, there's a lot there these days. <laughs> um, actually, Bill said today one of the things that Mickey said. I had asked him, you know, what do you? You've been the patient. What do you? What What would you? What would you say? What's help? What's been helpful to you? Well, Bill actually said it when he said, "I'm a broken man." Mickey said, "Remember, he feels broken. He feels broken. So it's if your husband." Um, not used to feeling broken. <laughs> um, so I would say know, know your man or your child or your parent or friend, any, whoever it is you're trying to care for. Know, know what they're like and, and consider that as you care for them. Um, do they like to be left alone? Mickey likes to just kind of hunker down, be left alone, and, you know, he'll, he'll gut it through. <laughs> um, other people might like to be kind of pampered or, you know, have you very near and have a little bell they ring if they need you or something. <laughs> what, 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 are, what, what serves them? But um, don't try to change them. Like, don't, I don't, don't be tempted to nag. Like, well, you, you know, if you did this or I've read, you know, just, just care for them, you know, follow, the, care for them. Um, 
in mind, in being mindful of who are they and what, what really serves this person, not what you think they ought to have. Um, let's see. Live in the now. Like, don't, don't be thinking, well, when this is over, you know, when this is over, in the future, when things are better, oh, gosh, I'm kind of living then. But this is the day. Today's the day that you're living. Today's the day they need you. Today's the day God has grace for you to offer them um, and think, okay, how can I make today brighter for this person? What can I do to lighten, their, lighten this load for them? What can I do? Um, might ask them. Thank God for everything you can. Like, that's just beautiful, Sherry, to see the, the blessing of, of more time together, undistracted time. Um, pray for everything you need. Um, wisdom, healing, patience. Something I've prayed for many times is, Lord, please send some good news today. Could there be some good news that will come? And that can just whew, be such a such a, a gift, such a joy to the patient and everybody. Um, and here's something I read in people caring for or comforting people during COVID. Don't start a sentence with, at least, don't, don't start sentences, well, at least it's not, blah, 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 or it could be worse. At least it's not worse. This is not comforting to people that are suffering. It's not. It's true. Um, that might comfort you as the well person that's the caregiver. Oh, Lord, thanks. It's not blah, blah, blah. I thought, that's wise. <laughs> it was in the newspaper. But I, I think there's worldly wisdom or, you know, true wisdom in it. Just don't start a sentence that way, but encourage them that that the Lord is in it and, um, and help them. Well, we need to end, but thank you guys for sharing all this, for preparing it, and um, just for your example for so many years and your faithfulness. It really is motivating um, for me, and I know for these ladies as they're um, serving. And so it's just helpful to have people to look and be like, they made it. They're serving. They love the Lord. They've been through hard times. And so it's, it's just encouraging to see that. So can we thank them? <laughs>